Amazing. You can grab a seat tonight. And you can also grab a seat. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed your little, um, what did you say in that moment? Okay, why not? It was why not. I loved it. I thought it was great. Good job. Hey, um, it, this is cool. Thank you guys for coming to our very first ever Kindred Women's Conference. <laughs> Welcome to Kindred. It is so good to have you here. And uh, we just feel really honored and blessed to be able to host every single one of you. Uh, tonight and throughout the weekend, and so it is really my prayer that you will be blessed while you're here, that you will be refreshed. We want to have a good time. We want to talk about the real things, and I'm excited about um, what this means for the future. You know, this is only our very first one, and um, God has already just blown us all away. I think our whole team have just been blown away. Can we just for a moment just, I would just love to thank our amazing team who have pulled all of this together. They are just the best people in the world. It's just been phenomenal. And um, I am also so blessed. A bunch of our friends who are also pastors have come to support um, this conference. And so, guys, it is so great to have you here. We've got a whole bunch of you. And I get stressed about naming every single person. And so I'm not going to do that because then you get to that moment and it's awkward. And we don't need awkward moments, although I do love myself a good little awkward moment every now and then. I mean, it's needed. But let's get into this message tonight. I'm pumped to preach. And we're going to be starting off in Matthew 5, 3 to 9, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Even if you haven't been in church for long, you've kind of heard of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be starting off in the Beatitudes, which honestly is just a phenomenal piece of writing. I mean, I, if you can't realize that this man is from heaven as he starts to say these words, the Beatitudes. If you haven't really dived into it before, dive into it. I encourage you, if you barely touch your Bible, jump into the Beatitudes and you will just be blown away by almost the poetry of the Beatitudes. And that is where our key scripture, uh, Blessed Are the Peacemakers, comes from tonight. And so we're going to be jumping into verse 3 and it says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray and then get into this message tonight. Holy Spirit, we just ask, would you come and speak? Like I said earlier, only you know the condition of our heart. Only you know the condition of our soul, our spirit. And so, Lord, would you come and just make this moment tonight and, and this weekend something that is individual to every single one of us. I pray that every person would leave this weekend having had a moment with you, where you speak to us where you edify your woman, where you speak to what is going on in our worlds and that we would leave different. In Jesus' mighty name. And every person said, 
Amen. Amen. I want to do something different tonight, and I want to start off with a story. Is that okay? This is story time with Nadia. It goes a little something like this. There once was an emperor who loved nothing better than wearing fancy new clothes. Three times a day, he would change into a brand new royal outfit. Many emperors spend their days talking to advisors and fixing problems of the land, not this one. He was too busy sending out his servants to find the next great outfit to wear. One day, two strangers rocked up into town. They said they were weavers. They said the cloth they wove was the finest anyone would ever see. But in fact, they were not weavers. They were crooks, liars, players. These fake weavers said their cloth was more beautiful than any other cloth, but it could not be seen by just anyone. Only people who were smart and the most excellent could actually see the magic cloth. People who were not smart and not excellent, well, they would see nothing at all. Soon, word reached the emperor about these two weavers and their fine cloth. He thought, I am the most smart and the most excellent emperor. Anyone can tell how grand I always look. I do not need to worry about that silly magic. This is, of course, if you haven't picked up on it yet, the age-old story of the emperor's new clothes. Do you remember that growing up? Hans Christian Andersen, legend. This goes on to share about how these crooks and this emperor go to a fitting, and this, these people are, uh, are putting over these fake items of fabric, and the emperor doesn't want to be seen to be a fool, and so he plays along, mm-hmm, uh-huh, amazing, I look good, and they continue to go about it this way, and he prepares this outfit that doesn't even exist to wear to the annual parade. The story goes on and says, at the parade, the emperor walked tall and proud in his nothing outfit. Each person who saw him go by, catch this, thought to themselves, I cannot believe what I am seeing. The emperor is wearing no clothes, but each person said nothing. Each person said nothing. Instead, they cheered and said, there goes the emperor. Doesn't he look fine? All of a sudden, one little boy, clever boy, called out and said, look, the emperor's got no clothes. I can just imagine my son Hugo being like, what is up with this guy? This guy's got no clothes. I can see Jovi. She's like the cutest little thing ever. Being like, that man's got no clothes on. Clever children. Then another child called out and said, look at him. He has nothing on at all. And everybody gasped. But the parade must go on, the story goes on to say. And so, the emperor continued to walk, and his servants behind him continued to hold high the train that did not exist. Such an interesting story. 
And as we were preparing for this conference and, you know, the, the whole name of our women's ministry is Kindred for a Reason, because we really believe that this is a place where we can come and we can find unity, we can be together, but also the theme of this weekend is peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers, because we also want it to be a place where we can have honest conversations with each other, start to talk about the things that really matter, be honest and have a deepening of real relationships. And I guess the reason I started thinking about this story is because it's kind of the opposite to what we are trying to achieve here at Kindred Women's Conference. This story is a story of lies being conveyed as truth, a story of people too afraid to speak up, a story of peacekeeping rather than peacemaking because no one wanted to seem the fool. A story of poor communication, a giant lack of understanding, and people so disconnected that no one actually wanted to be honest with each other. And so the result of it was that the lies of these crooks and these players prevailed. Research would tell us that when it comes to conflict, all kinds of conflicts, because remember, like these people who stood there thinking, oh my gosh, he's got no clothes on, but yelled out and said, he looks so fine. There is conflict a lot of the time, not just out here, but on the inside of us. But research would say that there are three main causes of conflict, poor communication, misunderstanding, and personal differences. But our scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We live in a world that lacks peace. We live in a world that has been thriving, almost addicted to conflict. We either want to create it, take part in it, or ignore it. And it starts off with little meaningless things like, what color is the dress really? It's actually black. No, it's white. No, it's gold. Who, who cares? Nobody cares. Why for like three months did the entire world get caught up in what color a dress is? It's because it's like, who's right? Who's wrong? There's a bit of conflict. Oh, we love it. It feels so good. But then it moves on to things that are a little more important, like our religious beliefs, our value systems, our political stance. We live in a world that lacks peace, and man, oh man, we just need a few peacemakers. We need people who will step in and bring peace for our families, for our friendships, our workplaces, even for our inner worlds. I don't think it's too bold to say there is a great deal of conflict to go around. And as much as people say they want peace, I think peacekeeping rather than peacemaking seems to be the way of the world. For some of us, we would rather hold up the emperor's fake train than call out the truth just in case we are made to look the fool. But the Bible is clear that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I would rather be a foolish child of God calling out the truth than a servant of the emperor holding up a fake train. The other thing I found myself thinking about, which literally has um, nothing to do really with um, trying to bring in sound doctrine into this part, it's actually just a really good illustration 
So I preface that just in case there's anyone in the room being like, well, actually, that doesn't actually line up with this. No, relax. We're just talking about it as an illustration. But I haven't been able to get away from this idea. And I was trying to, you know, going on these prayer walks like, God, what does this mean? And how are you, why are you talking to me about this? And it started to come together. I have not been able to stop thinking about the courts, the tabernacle. Do you remember that? When I first became a Christian, this was all we ever talked about, the outer courts, the inner courts, and then, of course, there was the Holy of Holies. Do you remember that? I feel like it's gone out of vogue. I, th- I feel like it was in vogue for Christianity, and then it went out of vogue. I mean, I, when I first became a Christian, we would sit down. This was how it was, like, every single week. You'd be like, man, how's your walk with God? And you'd start off and say, oh, man, the other day, like, I was hanging out with God. But, you know, I felt like I was kind of, like, on the outer courts, you know? But then, man, I started praying. And I felt a shift, you know, and it was like something came down and I was like, oh, I'm in the inner courts. And then, man, you won't believe it. Put on my favorite song, Gratitude. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, like there was just a weight there. You know that weight? And it was like, man, I was in the holy of holies. We used to talk about that all the time. This idea of the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holy of holies. And the reason I use it as an illustration is because as I was thinking about making peace, about actually making a difference as a group of women for when we leave here, that it wouldn't be that we would arrive and have a wonderful time when we sing these songs and I get a free book, but that we would actually leave here wanting to make a difference. And as I thought about it, I thought, okay, out of courts, inner courts, holy of holies. Man, there are actually three areas in our life that we can make peace. And I love this picture because it's like the outer courts, we need to make peace with others. But then on top of that, it's like the inner courts, we need to make peace with ourselves. And then, of course, because it all just worked out and it felt so right, the holy of holies, we need to be at peace with God, be at peace with others, be at peace with ourselves, but make peace with God, peace around us, peace in us, and peace for us from God. And so tonight... My message is entitled, A Tabernacle of Peace. A bit old school, but it works actually with this amazing, beautiful venue. A Tabernacle of Peace, because I want it to be a word picture. Viewing our lives as a tabernacle is realizing that we need to try and make peace in these three areas. If a peacemaker is to be called a child of God, we should want to be a peacemaker. Too many Christians are like, oh, the nice Christians are going to do that job. Well, no, we should all want to be a peacemaker because they will be called children of God. However, it will take some work. The beauty of this compound word is that it mashes up the word peace with the word making. It is a doing word. It is active. Peacemaking is not being nice. It might be being kind, but it's certainly not being passive. Conventional wisdom uh, causes us to believe that we make peace by avoidance, but the peacemaker knows there is no peace without truth. 
And we need to know that. We need to understand that. I read this in an article recently. The truth matters. Think about all that is related to peace that depends on truth, justice, functional government, reconciliation, accountability, trust, humility, and love all evaporate in the absence of truth. To achieve true peacemaking, one must be committed to seeking and speaking the truth with others, with ourselves, and with God. We are called to be peacemakers, truth seekers, children of God. And so I want to dive tonight into these three circles. And I want to start off with the first area that I believe we need to make peace with. And that is, I think we need to make peace with others. If we are to be a peacemaker, we need to understand those around us. I will never forget, and it was a tumultuous time. So, you know, it was what it was. But a few years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I was having a discussion with my friend back in New Zealand. Now, given I was having a discussion on Instagram Messenger, which never goes that well when you're talking about really intense things, because um, there's like no human side behind it, you know. But anyway, we were having this discussion, and she was basically just saying uh, about a group of people uh, who will go unnamed uh, that she just didn't understand them just didn't understand them. And she was so filled with anger and frustration. And and she kept saying her main thing was just, I don't understand. I don't understand them. And so me being uh, an eight on the Enneagram uh, tried to help. And sometimes you just shouldn't try and help. Um, And I said, hey, I've got an idea for you because I'm solutions-based, right? And so I'm like, I've got a solution. Um, Bad idea. But I said, how about maybe you could sit down with these people or someone and maybe just hear their story. Maybe there's a little bit more behind it. You could sit down and chat it through and and maybe, because you're saying you don't understand, maybe you'll gain a little bit of understanding. To which she responded, TBH, I just don't actually want to understand. (laughs) And so the eight in me was like, what? You make no sense. And so I wanted to jump back in and be like, you make no sense. This makes no sense. I didn't do that. Um, I did something else that also wasn't helpful. But it made me thoughtful of the fact that, man, how true is that? of so many of us sometimes. We just don't actually want to understand. We're so caught up in what we think is the right way that we just don't want to understand you. I saw this from Paul Tillich, whom I have no idea who he is, but he was reposted by Ian Simpkins, and I love this guy. He's a really good follow on Instagram. And he said, what a beautiful um, quote, the first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. But man, sometimes you just don't want to listen. <laughs> Do you know what, what I mean? Like sometimes it just gets to that point with someone and you know that you should just sit down and listen, but you're just like, I really don't want to listen to you. I actually don't want to understand you and I don't want to listen. But man, the first duty of love is to listen. And from personal experience, can I just say, anytime I've actually sat down with someone and started to listen and hear, man, the understanding in my heart starts to grow. 
all of a sudden, the empathy and understanding, even if we were coming from completely different backgrounds, completely different sides of the equation, there's just a little bit of understanding. Ian Simpkins went on to post this. There were questions that we should be thoughtful of for us. He said, when was the last time you asked a single mum in your neighborhood how she was really doing? When was the last time you were truly curious about someone who looks, acts, votes, or believes different to you? When was the last time you slowed down enough to truly listen to the cashier who casually mentioned that her husband is unwell? Jesus went out of his way to meet people from all walks of life, perhaps as an example to us, to show us how we can grow in our understanding, in our wisdom, in the way that we should be approaching people who are different to us. Sometimes the reason that our approach isn't working is because we don't understand the people that we are approaching. Understanding those different to us is a bridge towards making peace. And can I just say that, remember, understanding and agreeing are completely different things. We can still understand people. You know, I sometimes sit down, God bless them, with some Christians who are like, man, I don't want to get around people who think different to me because of this, this, and I, you know, I don't want it to rub off on maybe my faith or the way I view things in any way. I'm like, what? Is your faith that fragile that you can't sit down and have a proper, honest conversation with someone who is different to you? We need to be able to sit down. We can understand people without agreeing with them. Listen, I can understand if my friend comes up to me and says, you know what, I'm going to paint my house bright yellow. I can understand it because maybe when she was a little girl, a little yellow canary came and landed on her shoulder. And ever since that moment, she's thought to herself, one day I'm going to have a house and it's going to remind me of this beautiful moment where a yellow canary landed on my shoulder. I can understand that. I don't agree with it. But I can understand it. I just painted my house black. I'm sure there are some people who would say, well, she really loves the color black, so you can understand it. But you can also say, but I don't agree with it. I would never do that. Understanding and agreeing are completely different things. Peacemaking will not be easy. Maybe it's not even possible. However, we are still called as Christians to seek it, to understand those around us. We must remember Paul's words for peacemakers in the Bible, Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on the other person. What? As far as it depends on you, live at peace with some people. Live at peace with your friends. Live at peace with the people you agree with. No, live at peace with everyone. Paul implores us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, I love that. We might be going, well, no, they just, you know, no. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not just those you agree with, not just those who make you feel fluffy, everyone. 
Christians can be some of the most judgmental folk around, and it's backwards. Because we have been saved, we have been forgiven, and we should understand that we are not fit to judge. To make peace with others means to take down a few walls, means to let a few people in, listen, and not be isolated. When we are isolated and so sure of our opinions and seek to be understood rather than to understand, we can leave a lot of conflict in our wake. And can, you know, this is a space where we have lots of honest conversations. We keep saying that. But for a moment, can I just have an honest conversation about EQ? Because that's important, like knowing how to connect with people. If you are one of these people who seeks to be understood all the time rather than listening. Let me give you an example. When you sit down for coffee and you share about your life and what's going on, if after a few hours you finish that hangout and you leave and you think to yourself, oh, crazy, I don't know what that person did this week or how they're doing, that is you. You are that person and it needs to stop because people don't appreciate it. You need to make sure that there's a balance. There's got to be in us a desire to listen to the people around us. Otherwise, we get so caught up in us, 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 that we are ineffective at making peace with others because all we're doing is spouting our opinions, making sure everyone listens to us, and not being effective in the work that Christ has called us towards. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. He may not have agreed with them, but he understood them because he listened to them. Because listening is the first duty of love. The second area that I think we need to make peace in is make peace with yourself. Make peace with yourself. Our heart for this conference is that it would genuinely be a place where we can create health for all of us, where we can all leave healthier because who knows, no one has ever made it. Uh, my prayer coming into this has been, God, show me the areas that I need to continue to work on. Show me the areas that I need to grow in my wisdom. We, that is our heart, that every single person comes in and finds a greater sense of freedom. And it, when, it, when it comes to peacemaking, we need to understand that there can be conflict happening on the inside of us as well. And we can be so busy trying to deal with all of the conflict happening out here that we can forget that there might be conflict happening in here, but I have come to realize that it's incredibly hard to create peace out here if there is conflict in here. Um, in the lead up to this conference, I was so so um, blessed, and honestly, I, I was really proud to be a part of a group of women who gathered on a Saturday morning um, every few weeks at 8 a.m. to pray for you. We would gather together and pray together, believing that this would be a significant time for every person who was coming. And at the most recent one, every time everybody always had a word or a prophetic word, and they would share a picture, and we were practicing our prophecies. I'll never forget that. This girl approached me one day, and she's like, I'm just going to practice my prophecies with you. And she had that voice. I'm not joking. And I remember being like, what? I'd never heard of practicing prophecies. But... We were kind of practicing our prophecies, and, uh, but one of our amazing women, Sylvia, 
she uh, had this incredible picture and she said, you know, I just see women walking into Kindred Conference and they've got a backpack. And I thought to myself, yeah, backpack, they're going to lay down the backpack, it's epic. Um, but she went beyond that. She said, no, but they, they don't just lay down the backpack. They start to unzip the bag. And I see them being very intentional, pulling out key things that they've held on to for a long time. And they start to unpack the backpack. And they leave those things at the conference. And as I was thinking about that picture, I couldn't help but think about our story tonight of these crooks and these liars who tried to clothe this emperor in things that just weren't true. And for all of us, there may be a chance that we have held on to lies about us that aren't true. The enemy, there is an enemy of our soul, and guess what? He really doesn't like you, like really doesn't like you. He's always like, ugh, you know? He thinks about you and he's like, ugh, yuck, you know? Like he doesn't like you. And for all of us, there have been things that he's tried to get us to believe about ourselves that we've been holding on to, and we don't want to um, say that they're not true just in case we're made to look a fool. But my prayer at this conference is that there would be women who start to unpack that backpack and finally say, you know what, I'm going to lay this down. Maybe you've believed that you're worthless. Maybe you're, you've believed that you'll never recover from what happened to you. Maybe you're here tonight and something really traumatic, maybe an abuse took place in your life, and you have believed for a very long time that it's, it's always going to be there, that you'll never recover. Maybe you've believed that it's your fault. Maybe you've believed that no one cares. Maybe you've believed that that sin issue will never go away. Maybe you've believed you'll amount to nothing. Maybe you've believed that no one's ever going to want you. Maybe in friendships, you've believed that no one actually likes you. Maybe you believe that your time has come and gone. Maybe you've got something that you've always wanted to do, but you feel like maybe you're not enough. Those are like the story of the emperor. They are lies that the enemy has caused you to believe to be true. And you've been holding on to them in that backpack of yours. And this weekend, whether tonight or throughout the weekend, my prayer is that that conflict would no longer exist and that you would make peace with yourself. In this same meeting, I got another picture for one of our amazing ladies. And I want to share this because I really want every person to just unpack this weekend. And this picture that I had for this other person was she was in this garden, classic, and uh, she's like, you know, trimming things, and it's like, oh, so beautiful, pastel colors, like bubbles, whatever. And, uh, and I was like, oh, it's so awesome. This is what you do. And then the picture changed. And all of a sudden, it was a picture of a field, and there was an army, and there was a battle going on, and the enemy called out, and he said, who will fight? And the same person who was in the, you know, beautiful little garden, came riding out from the army, and she was on a horse, and she yelled out to the enemy, and she said, I will fight. And afterwards, we gathered together, this beautiful group of women, and she said, you know what, I think that that was not just a word for me. 
that was a word for our conference. That was a word for our woman. Because perhaps maybe you haven't believed a lie that you've been holding on to. Maybe you're not going to be someone who kind of unpacks. But maybe actually something has been stolen from you. You know, I find, and in my years of pastoring, I have found that one of the things with women that we really struggle with is this balance between strength and softness. And I think for so many of us, we believe that we have to fit into one category. And I want to say tonight that actually something has been stolen from you. And tonight, or this weekend, it is time to go, like the song says, into the enemy's camp and take back what was stolen from you. Take back what was stolen from you. Maybe your softness has been stolen. It happens. Maybe at some point something took place in your life that caused you pain. And you said to yourself, you know what, being soft and, you know, being kind of open actually just leads to despair and pain. So I'm going to wall up and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to keep myself safe. Maybe your softness has been stolen from you. But maybe it's the other side. Maybe your strength has been stolen from you. Maybe one day you were sitting in a meeting and you gave an idea because you, you thought it was awesome and you wanted to speak out and you were so nervous. You said something and you were shut down. Maybe you gave an idea. Maybe you stepped out to try and do something and you were shut down. And you have said to yourself, well, you know what? When I try and be strong, it just leads to pain. So I'm just going to be soft. This is where I'm going to sit. And there is great conflict on the inside of you. Can I just say, this weekend, take back what was stolen from you. Go into the enemy's camp and take back what was stolen from you. Do you remember the song? I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. Hey! Took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp. And I, I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. I love it. I used to sing that all the time as well. You know what that did? Brought me into the Holy of Holies. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Do you remember uh, the story, Catch Me If You Can? You know, he studied chicks, Pan Am chicks, so well that he was able to make counterfeits. You know, there's an enemy after your soul that wants to study you so much that he can sell you counterfeits. But do you know how you know the difference? The people who figure out the counterfeits, they study the real thing so much. They don't study the counterfeits. They study the real thing so much that whenever a counterfeit comes their way, they know that it's not real. They know that it's not true. You're sitting there tonight and you're saying, great, I'm going to lay some stuff down. I'm going to take some things back. But remember, peacemaking needs truth. And if we are to be a people who can make peace with ourselves, my goodness, we need to know the truth. 
And we have that in the Word of God. He declares truths over our lives. Truths like when you start to believe, oh man, maybe I'm worthless. You remember the scripture that used to be across every woman's conference ever. You are more precious than rubies. That you are valuable. That God has called you towards something. When you start to think, maybe my time has come, you realize that God has got hope for your tomorrow, that there is a plan for your future. We can't go about our lives expecting that our very own convictions that we have come up with are going to withstand the enemy and what he wants to do in your lives. This is very real. For some reason, I don't know why, I guess it's post-Christian. Did you know in Ottawa, only 4% of people go to church? Did you know that out of those churches, there are only 2% of churches that are regularly seeing people saved? What? It's wild to me. And partly we just have stopped believing that there's actually the spiritual battle that is going on in our world. It is real. And if we are going to be people who can recognize what is taking place in our world and recognize the counterfeit from the truth, guess what? We need to know the truth. If we want to have peace with ourselves, we need to hold on to God's word and what he says about us, what he says about our lives. And the third area, if the band wants to come and join me, is we need to make peace with God. Make peace with God. Tonight, I think in this room, there are probably three groups of people. The first group of people, you're all good. Like you and God, you're just like, we're good. You are walking, talking, zooming with Jesus. You guys are good. It's like, you know, we're all not good. Like no one's actually that good. But we're, you're good. You know, things are going well, you're walking with him, you're improving, you're being discipled by Christ, things are great. Then there's the second group of people, and I want to talk to this group of people tonight, because I've been stirred about, um, as I've been thinking about my zeal that I had when I was an early Christian, thinking about holy of holies, I'm going to start talking about that all the time now. I'm coming back to all of that stuff, but maybe you're here tonight and you've just simply lost your first love. You've lost your first love. And maybe making peace with God tonight just looks like recognizing that. And the Bible says to us, come back to the love that you had at first. Do you remember what it was like? You remember what it was like? First becoming a Christian? Man, I was like 15, 16 and smoking far too many drugs. I needed Jesus big time. And uh, we were laughing about something. Someone said, oh, they've, they've had um, enough alcohol for their lifetime, so they're done now. I was like, man, I feel the same about marijuana. <laughs> I'm like, I laughed. I was like, I can't even think about how many plants I consumed. But I remember when I first became a Christian, I was, I was like, what? You're telling me. I was like, this is a joke. You're telling me that the, the guy who made the earth and made everything, God and stuff, he wants to be called my father. And my leader's like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And then I was like, and you're telling me uh, this is a three for one deal. 
I mean, I get this like Holy Spirit thing, this Jesus guy and God all at the same time. Yeah. I was like, this is, a, this is the best. And I dived into it. I was that person, I was like, we'd go to um, church camps and I'd be sitting right where everybody could see me because I wanted to be known that I was super Christian, Nadia. Be sitting there with my Bible, you know, my study Bible, my, my uh, teenage study Bible that would have stories in it like Amber went to school and she saw Allie and Allie said to her, you should come to a party. But Amber said, do you know what? I'm not going to go. And I was like, yeah, Amber, let's go, you know. I'd be sitting there, I'd be writing all my things. I'd be like, another word that I used to use, zeal. I had zeal for the Lord, zeal for his house. I was in the Holy of Holies with my student study Bible, just like on fire for Jesus. I was that person who read all of the Left Behind series until, you know, whatever. Um, And I'd sit down with my friend and I'd be like, do you know what? This is what I think we should do. We should pray and believe that when it all happens, that God actually leaves us here and then we would be the ones to tell all the people about Jesus. I was that person. My doctrines changed and my theology. But anyway, you remember what it was like. And then what happens? I'll tell you what happens. People. People. (laughs) It's actually always people. It's always people. But I say this in almost every single message. My family prepared me for the church. I don't know where you guys come from. I never expected perfection. We're looking around going, uh, uh, yeah, that's what some families are like, guys. People happen. So what happens? We just lose our first love. Maybe think we're a bit silly. Maybe think we're a bit unhinged, a bit disconnected from real life. Who cares? Honestly, I don't care. I do care enough to preach a whole message about being connected to people. But also, I am unashamed of the gospel. I want to see those stats here in Ottawa change. I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to have a first love with my God. Think about my marriage. I just want it to get better and better. I don't want to sit there with Levi and be like, oh, Do you remember when this was great? And he'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, cool. I'm going to go watch my show. You watch it. Okay. Off we go. I I don't want that. So then why do we settle with that when it comes to God? Maybe tonight the peace you need to create The peace you need to make is peace with God. Maybe you're here saying, Nadia, I don't even have a relationship with God. My friend invited me. And like this is the first time I've walked into a church in a very long time. I was raised Catholic, but it looked really different to this. Can I just say, I don't think any person who is here is here on accident. 
I'm so blessed by my friends who have come to support us. I don't think they're here on accident. My prayer is that every person who comes would receive something. And you may have walked in tonight and you don't have a relationship with God. You're not here by accident either. I believe in the God of the universe. I believe that he has a plan. I believe that he is intentional with his plans. And I believe that he wants relationship with you tonight. And it's so good because it's so simple. All it is is saying, yeah, I recognize what Jesus did for me. Do you know what he did? He made peace. We should make peace because he first made peace. He brought peace and made peace between you and I and God so that we could have a relationship with him. And he made that peace by dying on the cross to be the sacrifice for us. So that, like we were talking about before, going to the enemy's camp to take back what was stolen, so that he could go into the enemy's camp, take back what was stolen. And you and I, through a simple prayer, can have relationship with him. I want to finish with a scripture before I give any person who is here tonight and you want to get right with God, you want to ask Jesus to come into your life. I want to finish with this scripture because I think it's fitting and it's close to my heart and I think it's a wonderful reminder for all of us. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is the promise that we get when we make peace with God. To live freely and lightly. To know real rest and unforced rhythms of grace. Every person here, would you do me a favor of just closing your eyes in this moment? Because I'd love to give any person who is here who wants to get right with God and invite Jesus into their heart just a moment of privacy. And if that's you here tonight, you're saying, Nadia, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you once did, but you've walked away. Then tonight, don't leave here without making peace with God. And in a moment, the way that we're going to do it is I'm going to simply count to three. And all I want you to do when I get to three, all I want you to do is just lift up your hand. I'll see it. And then you can put it straight back down. And together, we're going to pray a prayer together. So if that's you, you want to get right with God tonight as we start out this weekend for Kindred Conference, on the count of three, would you just lift up your hand? One, two, three, all across this place. Awesome, I see that hand, so good. Yep, I see that hand, incredible. You can put it down once you've lifted it up. Others, yep, I see that hand. Anyone else, you're here tonight and you're saying, Nadia, I need to get right with God. Don't leave here without making peace with Him tonight. You can join these others who have already lifted up their hand. If that's you, just one more time looking around. Lift up your hand nice and high, and together we're going to pray a prayer. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. 
I would love, if you're a Christian in the room, I would love for all of us to join together with these people who have lifted up their hand tonight. And we're going to pray a prayer, and I want to, all of us to pray it out loud. And as we pray this prayer, for those of you who lifted your hand, this is that moment. Really just soak in that moment. Recognize it for what it is. This is a precious, precious moment that you're getting right with God. And so pray this prayer from your heart. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I ask tonight, would you forgive me of my sin? And I thank you that you do. I want to walk with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Before, yeah, we can give them huge, huge round of applause. Hey, um, to any person who lifted your hand, we are just, I, it's so cool. I love when people get right with God. Um, coming from a non-Christian background, I feel like I just will never forget the significance of it. So for all of us, there's just great joy in the fact that you're getting right with him tonight. But I don't want to move on too quickly because I felt like there was something just kind of simmering when we're talking about a first love. And so I'd actually like you all, we all got really excited about these new salvations and we should always get excited about new salvations. But I wonder if you could just for a moment, I want to pray a prayer with people here tonight who are saying, man, I've lost my first love. And it, my prayer this weekend, as in you're praying this, my prayer is that I'd get it back. And so I wonder if we could just all close our eyes just one more time. And if you're here tonight, and you're saying, man, oh man, I need to return back to my first love, then I really want to pray with you. And if that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand nice and high up in the air. One, two, three, all across the space. Amazing. Oh my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put it down once you've lifted it up. Thank you, Lord. Let's just bring it down just for a moment. Um, yeah. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that in your presence there are miracles. But tonight, I just want to pray for people who are wanting to return to that first love. Like we prayed earlier, God, only you know the condition of our heart, perhaps what we've been through. Only you know the exhaustion, maybe the tiredness. And God, we don't want to move on too quickly. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you do what only you can do in this place? I pray that as we express vulnerability to you, God, that you would come and heal, that you would come and encourage, that you would come and remind, and that it would be a beautiful moment of returning home. And I pray, Lord, just protection over the seed of people's decision to even lift up their hand. And I pray it would not be taken from them. I pray your protection over it. I ask, Lord, 
that dreams would be revived, that people would be healed, and that people would remember. In Jesus' mighty name. And every person said, Amen.